It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Good afternoon and you're very welcome along to Late Lunch here on LMFM. Joan Larkin here sitting in for Jerry just today and tomorrow. He's just having a couple of days off and we have, as usual, a packed show ahead today. So I do hope you can stay with us. Of course, the country's in a great mood. Today sees the reopening of non-essential businesses around the land. The weather's gorgeous as well. The mood is good out there because business is back and people are back out shopping and it's sunny. And don't forget, we also have our bingo books giveaway today. So everything's good here on LMFM. FM on late lunch, but we do love to get your calls and texts, so do get your questions and comments into us on 086 1800 658, and we'll do our best to get to all of them. Now, as I said, after months and months of lockdown restrictions, the non essential businesses are back open again. We can finally go in and browse in the boutiques and the furniture shops, we can get the hair done, get the nails done. But I wonder, is it busy yet, or is there like a queue of people waiting to get in the doors? Well, joining me on the line now to give me a feel of what it's like out there. I have two business people. I have Barney McMahon from Flower Hill Furniture in Navan and Marina Cantwell from Nicole Boutique in Carrick Macross. Barney, can I start with you if that's okay? Uh, yes, it, we were delighted uh, that uh, we're opening this morning and we had a great stream of customers. We just weren't inundated, but we had a great stream of customers in and uh, uh, the staff are so pleased to see the customers coming in and there's a bit, we all just are relieved. Uh, yeah, of course. We yeah. feel that we're looking forward to the future and that things yeah. are, are on the bright side yeah. and uh, everything like that. Well, Barney, so. you're a very well-known furniture store there on Flower Hill in Navan, but how difficult has it been for you guys for the last few months? Well, because we had a lot of customers before the lockdown, and uh, we had a lot of phone orders come in and uh, our online presence is very good and we had Instagram and Facebook and that and between all of those we didn't do terribly bad we, it, we survived very well yeah. I think and yeah. we're not like pubs that were locked down or things like that but we are so pleased to be open now because we would have extra stock that we have to clear now because of uh, the last four months we've been uh, you know, our sales would yeah. be uh, down that bit, but we're, everything is 
onwards and upwards. And uh, that's what I was thinking, Barney. I was I was going to ask you that because I, I figured you'd have a lot of stock in. Any plans for a big massive sale or anything? Well, you see, our prices are very good at the moment <laughs> because we have to have prices when you have them online and when you have them on Instagram and Facebook. Unless you have good prices, people won't come in. So we have very, very good prices at the moment. So if you want to call it a sale, you can, because <laughs> our prices are very, very good. And Barney, tell me this now, with the, the lockdown and the reopening now, what kinds of things are people looking for that they couldn't get before, we'll say? Well, people are looking for mattresses and beds and sofas, and uh, they're, they're, they're also looking for clocks and uh, uh, all types. They're all types of furniture, the sales this morning now have been very brisk and uh, we are delighted with uh, the way things are going. And so, you're obviously planning then for, for a busy weekend this coming weekend? Well, this weekend should be very busy because there'll be a few people today, I think they'd be out into the clothes shops and they'd be buying mm. personal things and they'd, mm. uh, but uh, we expect that the weekend will be very, very busy. The weekends usually are very and busy for furniture. For the few months when the last time the lockdown was after the lockdown, we were extremely busy. Yeah. One of the problems we were trying to was that we were selling so much furniture, it was hard to get the deliveries done. But we're all set for deliveries and we're all set with loads of stock and we're all set to uh, uh, progress. And Barney, of course, the sun is shining today, which makes everything nicer. And um, Do you feel the mood of people out there is lifting? Oh, yes. I can see it in my neighbours and my friends. Uh, I can, you know, they're, they're a bit perkier and they, when they, they stop to just say hello and they're yeah. not just uh, walking past and uh, trying to keep themselves to themselves. So I, I think I think it's great. I think that we're we're over uh, this, um, shall we say, our... Like the challenges the last few yes. months, do you think they're all behind you now? Yeah, but at the same time, we have to be very, very careful. Yes, uh, of course. We have to be careful with our masks. We mm. have to be careful with um, uh, with the things we do not to go too close to people mm. and things like that. But people so can still come in, they can still browse, they can try out the beds, they can, they can look at... Yeah, yeah. but they they yeah. still have to wash their hands. Of course. They'll have to... Yeah. Uh, all the protocols that we yeah. have there, they yeah. have to abide by them. But apart from that, yeah. we're we're really looking forward to. Uh, well, Barney, it, you know what? It's brilliant to know that yeah. you're you're open for business again. The sun is shining, people are happy, and hopefully getting back to normality. So I wish you the best for the weekend, Barney. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. Thank John. you, Barney. I'm going to talk to Marina Cantwell now. Marina, you're in Carrick Macross, is that right? Yes, that's right. We you're, are indeed on a lovely in, afternoon, a bright afternoon in Carrick Macross. It's a gorgeous day. You're in La Cole Boutique. How's business so far, Marina? Very similar to Barney. It's been lovely. A few people popping in, a lot of regular customers just even saying hello and wishing us all the best of reopening today as well. So it's been lovely. It's been really good to be back open and the door fully open again. It's great. And you can leave it open now with the sunshine as well. You can leave it open. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. During the, the lockdown and all the restrictions, were you able to operate online? We did. We actually got our website up and going, actually, um, lacolapparel.ie. And actually, it's been good. But really, our business is a truly a shop that you really have to come in. You really mm. need to see the clothes. People love 
you know, specific trousers or something really hard to buy online and dresses. You really need mm. to try them on and feel the quality of the fabrics and things like that. So I think people have been desperate to get back for those certain buys that they really want because as well. Because it is very important, buy. isn't it, particularly for women to to be able to physically try on the clothes and get an opinion from you and the staff as to how they absolutely, look. Absolutely, absolutely. You do. You really do. And exactly trousers, work trousers, even, you know, as going even everyday trousers, you still really do need to try them on as well. And we've such a quite a varying styles and different brands mm. to suit every single shape as well so and there is plenty here but they're so hard to buy online that you just need to get in to try them on but you know what online doesn't give you either the social aspect to shopping isn't that really important oh. are people craving that do you think they do and I mean women come back to it they come in and they come in and they want their hair done when they're coming in they want to <laughs> feel good they want to look fabulous and when they try things on as well so even the hairdressers open last week gave us a chance this week then as well so people yeah. are coming back in feeling very glamorous and feeling ready to shop as well and you know then they're confident to try things on and they feel good about themselves and I think that's what everybody needs at the moment that yeah. little boost as well it's been a hard few months and it we has. say to people just go and treat yourself buy something lovely new yeah. you know be positive as well something simple even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something very. And, and what's the atmosphere like around Carrick Macross today? Lovely. It's such a lovely, busy shopping market town as well. Now we're expecting a much busier again for market days, Thursdays, and the weekend. They will be typically our busy days as well. You know, but it's lovely. It's lovely to see people out and about. Again, as Barney said, cautious. You know, we're cautious as well. You're still yeah. with the mask, still with everything. But it's just so good to feel positive towards the future with events we're happy as people start to know about weddings we're happy to start and we've yeah. also then got some incredible buys throughout the store for people who don't want to spend too much maybe as well there's some items that are 50% off as well so really a good chance to grab a bargain as well if somebody's looking for something Just going to say that to you as well if you have stock left over from last year are you running some kind of a sale? We are yes we are indeed actually we've got, we really got no chance to sell a lot of summer clothes last mm-hmm. year so there's incredible buys and something different then as well that you're not afraid of running into somebody with the same thing as well so it's a great opportunity to buy the bag of bargain. <laughs> Do you hear people coming in to you saying they're going on holidays and they want summer clothes for this or that? Do you hear much definitely. of that? We definitely. The staycation especially yeah. and we've done a lot of ed- edits up on our Instagram and on our Facebook recently of staycation clothes, staying in Ireland. We carry a range of actually outdoor wear from Illa Jacobson now and uh, CRO Italian and things like that. There are these kind mm. of layers, very light layers for nighttime as well that if we're going to be sitting out in the garden but sitting out dining we're going to need those layers and that's exactly what people are looking for at the moment. And tell me, what did you find the hardest thing about um, having a business that had to close down in the last few months? I think it's been it's been just so hard actually seeing beautiful clothes sitting here and nowhere for them to go as well. And yeah. just even my staff, we had a great team. We only opened just before the first lockdown. We had actually our official opening and Valentine's weekend here in February last year and then yeah. it went into lockdown a few months later. And the staff, let the girls having to go home and everything. But that mm. was just, that was the hardest part of that as well. It was actually our team that we'd built up, that had trained for everybody to have to go home and to come back. And now today is lovely that we've actually got the girls back in. Two of them just came in to support me as well. Yeah. And to be here again and familiarise ourselves with being in the shop as well again. Yeah, and of just course. And the clothes. So. Yeah. Oh, it was heartbreaking, sure, all the staff that had to go home, stay at home as well. So are you able to take on your full complement of staff now? Are you opening up fully? 
not just yet, but mm-hmm. I think over the coming weeks, I think definitely, if people start to make plans, I think that's the plan of action, definitely, you know yeah. what I mean? And then some of our temporary staff were on, at college and they've now finished college for the year. So I think that'll be great as well to be able to get the temporary jobs back in as well for the students as well. It'll be fabulous. Oh yeah, of course. I never thought of that. The students coming back out for the summer, they'll be all looking for work now as well. <laughs> exactly, absolutely. And hopefully we'll be busy enough to give them jobs as well, which would be great. Yeah, of course. And if weddings start up again as well in oh, summer parties. And the I'm hoping the Debs, we actually have an amazing range of Debs on Gowns and of course they were all affected by this as well and we've, we've, they waited for one year to see if they would happen last year and you know so we're just waiting eagerly to see if that happens again which would be brilliant to open that market again as well. That The Debs usually when August, September is it around that That's time? Right. Yes, around August as well especially start, some of the start as early as July as well July and August in oh, particular so, okay, so you have a, see, wait and see. <laughs> you have a whole load of beautiful Debs dresses there if anybody is looking for them. Make Absolutely your way to amazing dresses. Absolutely amazing. Oh, look at it. It's brilliant to hear the, 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 the optimism in your voice and how happy oh. you sound and just to know it's a happy sunny day and, and people are out there and people can get shopping again. It's just great, Marina, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, it is really good and happy to welcome everyone back in store again as well. Ah, oh, brilliant. It's been lovely talking to you, Marina. Thank you Thank very, you so very much and the best of luck with the business. Thank you for your support. Thank Take you care. So bye-bye. 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 Now, we've been talking about the impact that the lockdown had on businesses around the country and how people are in great form today because everything is reopening again. But the past year has been really dreadfully difficult for all businesses, especially hospitality and tourism and all others indeed in between who saw their businesses close down or run in, we'll say, a very limited way for the last few months. But there are some people working away on the edges of the tourism economy who'd been very badly affected by the COVID crisis. Those are the people all around the country who run kennels and dog and cat hotels so that we can all leave our beloved pets while we go on holiday either abroad or at home. Did you ever wonder how they're managing throughout all of this? Well, joining me on the line now to talk about how COVID has affected this industry and where they go from here is Margarita Cummins. She's the owner of Keensfield Kennels in Dunshockland. Margarita, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks very much, Joan, and thanks you for giving us the opportunity to share what the past year has been like. Um, Thanks to Louise and LFM. LMFM, sorry. Not at all, Margarita. So I want to ask you a little bit about the business and how you got involved in this sort of thing because I believe you originally trained as a nurse, is that right? That's right. I trained as a nurse and I worked for 10 years and then with family and different changes in circumstances, I ran a play school for five and a half years and then through that I was living out the country and I met a lovely, lovely, really good dog groomer and I helped her out for a little while in reception and then one day... A lady came in and asked, could anybody mind her dog? Uh, it was Jack and Diane, I think it was, and two little carriers. And she was in a, in a rush to find somewhere. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And it actually happened from that, Joan. It just evolved. Word of mouth, which is brilliant. Um, it got around and I just sort of built the... the I had a, a two-story garage that I converted. We had stables down the back that... We had been doing a little bit of horse delivery, but we transferred them to kennels, eight kennels with outdoor runs and gardens. And it evolved over time as I uh, I invested my money back into it, what I was yeah. earning. And it has been fantastic and kept a roof over our heads yeah. during difficult times. So it has been fantastic So the 13th of March. That's what I was going to say to you. So what happened to your business this time last year when COVID began to get very serious? I presume that you had a full booking list for the year ahead. We had. We had a full book on this, Joan, for the summer. Looking forward to it. Um, more calls were coming in. And then COVID news started to come out, spread from about mid-February and then March. And the 13th of March is when our last two dogs left us. 
and the owner came and collected them and we've had there was just nothing after that and uh it just it was a very scary time yeah uh very frightening i i must say i became anxious i became depressed because of it of didn't course. know what was ahead of me um of and course. it was you know just seeing the empty little rooms um and my husband, you know, he was doing the best he could. Now he's working on his job now, which is great. But this was our livelihood. This was our income. And this was what our children had worked on for the past 12 years and kept a roof over our heads. And did you think and your business was doomed at that stage? We were very worried. And I have to say, thank God, to COVID payments. And that gave us such reassurance and we realised that would carry us through. Um, and I, I, we've been so grateful for them, Joan, so grateful. Um, but now, our situation now is we've had to make the decision, because it's all very uncertain still, to close the kennels. Um, yeah. We've closed the kennels from medium to large dogs. Um, I'm going to keep the doggy house going where my reception is, and Fergal is a great DIY man. who We've put in lovely rooms, little rooms for the dogs. We had five in before COVID, but now we've added more. We're just finishing off them. And we hope to open up daycare uh, Monday to Friday uh, and uh, with daycare then do overnights as well, but a much more limited capacity because I'm yeah. working more on my own. And my kids are college students now. So yeah, uh, I, I think the COVID, with not feeling the best last year, with all the anxiety, it has made a lot of us review living. Hasn't it? Yeah, everyone is re-evaluating oh, their lives. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, you were I'm chatting... So... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Marguerite, you were chatting away there and you slipped in a little word called daycare. Now, I mean, imagine years ago if you said your dogs went to daycare. I know. <laughs> now it's normal. I've done yeah. it myself. So yeah, tell us a little yeah, bit yeah. about how that works. Oh, daycare is fantastic. Um, I love to have... Our, our whole ethos here is that the dogs mix. They hang out together in our different gardens. We have a sand arena that used to be for the horses. Virgil fenced it all off. It's secure. That's where they play. So my whole thing is the dogs come in in the morning. They either, weather permitting, we either go for walks down the fields and the farmer across the road allows us to use his fields as well, which is brilliant. And then we go to the sand arena and it just gives so much joy to see them so happy and having so much space to run and play <laughs> There's nothing like it, Joe. Well, it's play school for it's dogs, really, place. isn't it? Yeah, a little play school. I mean, I ran a play school for five and a half years, which I mentioned earlier. And I have to say there are similarities. And I say <laughs> to owners, to avoid separation anxiety for the owners and the doggies, just, you know, after their initial meet and greet, dogs always come to me beforehand so I can meet them and that the dog can come in, sniff out the place, and that it's familiar then when they're coming for the daycare or for overnight. Yeah, and it's the, because yeah, Margaret, I mean, how how if the dogs are all out playing in the sand arena, all out playing, they're all out playing in the field together. There's no um, runs where they're all separated. How, can you tell no. at a glance which dogs are safe to mix with others? Would you know a difficult dog at a glance? Well, what we do to get over that now, we have dogs in beforehand to meet and greet and we get a lot of information from the owners and we will watch the dogs and how they react with our own dogs. Our own dogs are so used to this now, Hack and Daisy. They're gentle giants and and we have smaller dogs as well. They have a fair idea on behaviour. I suppose we've learned so much with seeing dogs mixing. You'd notice behaviour, you'd notice the physical presence, physical behaviour. You'd notice how they are with their owners, um, 
Yeah. And and you'll not spot a nervous dog yeah. straight up, but you'll also yeah. spot some anxiety or possibility of maybe a row or yeah. that. So well, I'm sure it's a huge responsibility. It is know, a huge responsibility, but I'm sure you're well able for it by the sounds of you, and you absolutely love it by the sounds of the I way you talk it. about uh, it, yeah. Margarita. I, I mean, you know, twenty four seven, and it's twenty four seven. It sure is. It sure is. But listen, Marguerite, I have to wrap up because we're getting close up to news time. So you're Keensfield you. Kennels, Keensfield Kennels. So yeah, you're and I'm in going to Chalking and June at Mark's Doggy Daycare in the Mark's country. Doggy so, daycare and you can country. get me on 087 Good woman yourself. Thank you, John. Not at oh, all. Lovely to talk to you, Marguerite. Take care. Bye bye. Take care, Margarita. And that was lovely, absolutely lovely to talk to her. Now, we um, want to give a quick mention to something that just caught our eye this morning. It happened in the last week, an outboard engine, would you believe, which worth over €10,000. It was taken from an organisation that dedicates itself to assisting in searches on the waterways of Ireland. On the line to tell me about this awful thing is Paddy Martin from CMX Divers. How are you, Paddy? How are you? Hello, good day, how are you? Paddy, an awful thing. I mean, who in the name of God would go in and take steel and outboard motor from people who do good work and need it desperately? Tell us what happened. Um, well, we only uh, noticed it missing on, on uh, Saturday, but it was there Saturday week. So uh, between uh, Saturday the 8th to Friday the 14th, Friday night the 14th, so it took at least five able men to lift this engine like off the back of the boat, you know. Yeah, right. So, so it's, a, it's a Mercury 100 horsepower engine. It's black in yes. colour with silver writing on it. Yes. I mean, what would you say to the person or persons who know what happened to it and where it might be, Paddy? Uh, I probably, I can't say on air. No, it, right? I can understand, yeah. Um, you know, did he, like myself and these six guys started this uh, club, you know, um, 10 years ago and 11 years ago and mm. the annoying part is we run into a bit of trouble with an engine with, the, with that engine uh, Din and the local credit union uh, Carrickman Cross credit union came on board with us and partly funded that engine so now we have credit union you know that yeah. you know that, that helped us with the engine yeah. and like it's, it's affecting the community you know yeah, of so. course it is and you're out essentially an engine worth 10,000 euros so yeah. if anybody yeah. knows where, where it is or who's responsible for the theft of this contact the Gardaí do the right yeah. thing. Tell them where it is so Paddy and the rest of the crew can get back to their good work. Hopefully this mention might help you, Paddy. Hopefully the yeah. engine will be returned to you and your group of well, yeah. wonderful volunteers can continue their good work. Paddy from CMX Divers, thanks a million for your time. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Well, now, have you ever dreamt of travelling the world? I know some of us long to see the, the white sandy beaches of the Caribbean or even the temples of Indonesia, the jungles of the Amazon or maybe the ruins of ancient Egypt. Well, on the line to talk about all of these places and more is a young couple who spoke to me last year just after their lives were turned upside down when COVID struck and they were stuck in Asia. Well, since then, so much has happened and they've come back to talk to us again about where life has taken them this past year. Now, all the way from Mornington at the moment. Katie and Luke Hogan-Gibney, welcome to the programme, guys. Hello, so lovely to be chatting again. How are you? Lovely to talk to you, Katie. You're there as well, Luke. I am indeed. How are you guys this afternoon? Very well, thank you. Yeah, all is good, thanks. Lovely and sunny in Mornington. It is indeed. Katie, can I start with you? Can you take me back to that moment last year when we spoke, when your lives changed forever? You guys were in India, was it? Yeah, so we were um, travelling the northeast region of India, which is a pretty rural, off-the-beaten-track place, um, corner of the country, really. And obviously at this stage, um, COVID was quite rampant across Europe, but it hadn't really hit India, which it's it's quite bizarre to even think about, considering mm-hmm. what's happening now today um, in India. 
But it was just not a topic of conversation. We sort of were like blissfully ignorant while we were traveling. And all of a sudden it had entered the country from um, tours, basically Europeans who Mm. were touring the country. And all of a sudden, as Westerners traveling in this region, um, yeah, we quickly had to make an escape um, purely because, you know, hotels weren't accepting us. Um, you know, we, we couldn't, the buses weren't allowing us to, because, to have a seat. Yeah. It was just, it became the Western virus. Um, yeah, because of course so, the fear must have been huge and they see these two white people walking up to them and they're thinking, you have it. Obviously, absolutely. they were terrified of you. Oh, absolutely. Because obviously, like, this was such a, even though it was um, a, a, the hot topic across um, the States and, and Europe, it wasn't as such here yeah. or in India at the time. So, of course, when this had kind of hit, there was a bit of panic. And, you know, we were, it, it was just funny to kind of hear that in Europe, it was the, the, the Asian virus, you know, it was coming yeah, from Asia. But yeah. according to India, it was coming from It was the Western virus. So, so was yeah, it really, really yeah. difficult to get home then? Um, well, you see, originally, like, so this would have been around March and mm. we had a flight booked from Thailand because we had planned to come home and visit uh, Ireland in May. So we had to kind of do back-to-back um, buses all the way to Kolkata where we could fly out. It was the nearest airport to where we were. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the, the last night on our way to the, the airport, we got into a horrific bus crash as well. So it was all just a bit manic, you know. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so when we got into Thailand, we kind of felt a little bit like we could take a breather purely because it's such a hub for international travel. Um, Obviously, like in terms of like medical and the health system there, like it just felt a bit easier. And and again, space, you know, there was, unfortunately, we have such a wonderful privilege that we can social distance. But in India, it really is impossible. It's so difficult. So um, we did go to Thailand and while we were there, Thailand like had closed its borders. We were on an island and um, we were very nervous to actually leave and, and head towards uh, Europe. And at the time I found out I was pregnant as well. So we, we made the decision to stay there um, and bunker down and, and kind of... Uh, yeah. survive lockdown in Thailand which yeah. really wasn't as difficult as it sounds <laughs> <laughs> Can I bring Luke in here for this one Luke of course you, you guys run a blog called The Ungraceful Guide on your travels all around the world and yourself and Katie are very adventurous and I, I just I often wonder Luke if I can just chat to you for a second like life has a way of, of laughing at our plans doesn't it and I mean your plan was to continue your journey so what was the feeling then when Katie announced oops I'm pregnant <laughs> Let me just start off by saying Katie is very adventurous. Oh, I kind of just get roped into these things Ah. without knowing what I'm doing. She drags you along. I do the classic. I do the classic boyfriend thing of going, yeah, 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 and then realizing that I'm in the middle of the jungle somewhere, going, how in the name of God did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate reality is that I mean, not even just during the pandemic, but in general, um, I think the one thing that travel has kind of taught us is that you you can't you can't really make plans. Yeah. You can do your best, but, you know, life is always going to throw you a curveball. And Cora was a very large curveball. Cora was a curveball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you had a little girl. How old is she now? She's five and a half months. And she's called Cora. She's called Cora. That's a beautiful yeah. name. Not one you hear very often these days either. That's very true. We wanted to go for something uh, um Old and timeless. My my uncle has an auntie, Cora, and she's actually the only one I know, actually. So, yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> name. So how's it been then, being back in Ireland and with a new baby? And Katie, can I ask, were, were the COVID restrictions very difficult during pregnancy and, and Cora's birth? How did you find the whole thing? 
well, I mean, we again, we were blessed. So we stayed in Thailand until I was about seven and a half months pregnant. So Luke was able to attend all my hospital appointments and my scans. And mm. we actually had a very, very chilled, relaxing pregnancy. Um, when we came home, obviously, then we didn't feel... Um, I, I don't know how to put it, but as hard done by in the sense of, you know, Luke could no longer attend. Um, but he did feel a part of the whole the whole pregnancy, you know. Um, so it was a little bit of a shocker then to kind of step into um, into the coom in Dublin. And, and um, it was just completely different, you know. And obviously the restrictions were, it did make it a little bit more nerve-wracking as the, mm. the, big, the big day was approaching. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, we are very blessed with how, how it turned out for us. And... Um, we oh, have no complaints in that sense. She's you know? a beautiful baby. I've seen photos. Oh my goodness, her <laughs> eyes. Her eyes are the deepest blue I've ever seen. She's the most yeah. beautiful child. <laughs> yeah. And this beautiful child, I believe, is going to be going on a backpack and travelling around the world with her mom and dad as soon as restrictions uh-huh. lift. Is that true? Yeah, well, I mean, as we're going to call her a babe packer, you know, <laughs> let's see how we get on. Look, um, we're going to attempt it, of course. Um, it's something mm. we're hugely interested in. The way we see it is, you know, we'd like to be those parents that will always encourage Cora to, to inspire and aspire to do anything she kind of wants and follow her dreams. So our dream is still to travel and we couldn't really stop that just because she's arrived, you know. So we are going to attempt it. We have a few years before we need to start thinking of school and the like. So um, yeah. I'm not going to say it's easy. I don't know how we're going to do it, but like, sure, we'll have a good laugh trying and figuring <laughs> out. And no doubt we'll create some stories for her and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go. And you'll continue the blog with Cora? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it will, she's not going to be the forefront of the blog, obviously, because, you know, we really do want to respect the fact that, like, we don't want to document her entire childhood, but yeah. at the same time, we do want to share what we discover and how we do things. Maybe there's other families out there who might want to follow and see, you know, how possible is this? And it might inspire them to do it as well, or it might turn them off completely. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And Luke, are you going to, I mean, the motherly instinct obviously is going to protect the child and the daddy instinct then wants to protect his wife and his baby. Are, are you fearful at all about travelling around the world? Because I know you guys aren't, you're going to be going to off the beaten track places. Well, to be honest, it's just a couple of more things for me to carry, you know, my daughter and a very large stick. <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, to be honest, yeah, obviously there's there's always going to be that part of you that worries um, as the the, the mm. protector of the mm. family but you mm. know I mean from travelling the world the last three years we've really seen that 99.9% of the fears that people have are, are, are unfounded anyway I mean we've, we've they? generally been yeah I mean we've been we've been so so safe travelling around you Even know I've never really felt in any danger <laughs> Was is that Cora I can hear in the background? It's so cute. Um I mean look, you've travelled to some really, really strange places. Are you mm-hmm. weren't you didn't feel like you were in danger at all? Any time no. I mean, was there any point where you felt, Oh my god, what have we walked into? No. There 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 really isn't. And do you know what will make you laugh? There was I think there was one point when I felt slightly uncomfortable and it was on the subway in New York. <laughs> oh my god. I was gonna say, yeah. was it in the Amazon basin or somewhere like that? <laughs> no, I mean generally when you're traveling, people are just so interested in you and where you're from and your culture. I mean people outside of particularly when we got outside of Europe and into like say Asia and Latin America and stuff like that, people are genuinely interested because they don't necessarily see that many travellers. Yeah. You know, and yeah. in particular, I would say, I mean, India, like Katie said, what's happening in India at the moment is, is, is appalling. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's 
terrible that it's happening to such an amazing country. I mean, I have never experienced hospitality like I did in India. Yeah. Like they have a saying in India, they say that um, the guest is God. And they really mean it. They would give you this shirt off their back. They're absolutely just incredible people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've never felt uh, in, threatened or in any way nervous travelling. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. I mean, have you, in the course of your travels, come across dangerous places, dangerous people? Or, I mean, I suppose I'm asking, are there places you would recommend people not go? New York, the subway in New York. Yeah, I mean, it's such a subjective kind of question. Like, for us, we just haven't, I mean, call us lucky or I don't know what it is. We're not saying that it doesn't happen. We've met plenty of travellers who have stories. Um, So, you know, we're not going to turn around and say like, oh, everywhere we've been is completely safe and you'll be fine. Mm. Um, The way I kind of think of it is like, yeah, there are a few places that, you know, if Cora was to put on a backpack and say, I'm going, I'd be like, oh, please be careful there. So such, for example, like, you know, top of the head would be Delhi in India, probably one of the, the only places in India that I did feel a little bit, you know, throw my head around my shoulders a little bit more. And it is yeah. a place I probably wouldn't go back to. Um, yeah. But again, it's 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 a case of like, you will get what you give. And the way I see it is you can, you can pick what kind of traveler you want to be. And those that have respect as in like, you know, will abide by the cultural from, from, you know, covering their shoulders and, you know, not walking down drunk and drinking out in public. Yeah. And do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's very easy not to be a target of any crime and yeah. you show your respect and, to kind of interact with the locals. I mean, the locals are fantastic. Like, yeah. if you if you met a tourist here in the city and they were going down a dodgy street, you'd be quick to say it to them. You yeah. know, like, you would look out for them. And that's exactly how how you're treated as well. Yeah. Um, and speaking to the local people is the best way. Um, and, like, we've been scammed and things like that have happened. We've been yeah. ripped off, that kind of stuff. We've never, yeah. thankfully, there's not been no, like, petty theft or we've never felt our lives in danger or yeah. we've never backed out of something because we've been like, oh, no, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Um, and I, I think... Suppose, it's, yeah, it can happen anywhere to you. Yeah, I mean, other absolutely. people, other people can go to... more times in Dublin than yeah. anywhere else Anybody, <laughs> Loads of people have travelled around India, around Delhi, and everything's been grand. And then another person, like you say, you felt a little bit off there. The same thing yeah. happens in Dublin, in Paris, in New York, Absolutely. everywhere. Everybody Absolutely. has their their own experience of it. We're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you've done the last few weeks, because that was that was an adventure in <laughs> itself in Dublin, and a little bit more about, about your guide, um, your ungraceful guide, as you call it. Now, we're chatting with Katie and Luke Hogan-Gibney and their little five-month-old daughter, Cora. These guys have written a blog called The Ungraceful Guide, which has tracked their adventures around the world. Um, over the past few months. Now they're home at the moment, but they are planning to get away again. So um, can we go back a second to a couple of weeks ago? I saw a big article in the paper and I saw a lot on Facebook. You guys decided to get married in the middle of level five lockdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, let's go big or go home. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we did. To be honest, we had it when we... We got married before the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Of course. You we just... went through with it during. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you got married in Dublin? Yes, we did. We got married in Dublin. When we came home, um, the first thing we did was we we kind of applied for a marriage licence. And we originally had it booked for the 1st of February. Mm. But obviously, um, after Christmas, it it got quite scary in the country for a while with all the cases. And and it was not a great time, we we felt, anyway. Um, And then we postponed it till March. And then in March, it was just a very doom and gloom month, I think, for everyone. We were all fairly struggling to get through. Um, So then we we did postpone it again till there, just the 23rd of April. And we just said, like, let's just go for it and get it done. 
um, and we had a fantastic day. It was perfect. We wouldn't have changed a, a single thing, so we're delighted. Did I see photographs of you guys sitting on steps in the middle of Dublin eating burritos? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. As we say, we got to have our wedding reception in Temple Bar Square uh, with a few wraps and loads of people around us. Um, we had a dance down in St. Anne's Lane. <laughs> uh, it was just a fantastic day, beautiful weather. And yeah. it was just the three of us and um, one family left after the registration office. So yeah. um, after the registry office, so it was just fantastic. A yeah. really perfect uh, day out for us. And great memories for Cora as well. Absolutely. We spent the night then in the Westbury uh, Hotel in Dublin, which my dad so kindly gave us as a lovely wedding gift. So um, we got to have dinner and, you know, drinks and coffees. And it was just, who knew that such a little thing could blow your mind, you know, after not being able to do it for a year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it just shows you, you can just get married really, you know, for, for not an awful lot of money and have a memorable day. It depends what you want for yourself, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we just, I mean, I got like a 20 euro dress and Luke pulled an old uh, suit and we just dusted off our runners. Our team for the, all the guests were roots and runners because no one was allowed to get their hair done and <laughs> no, one was, no one could handle heels. So that was it. Everyone had to come in runners. <laughs> <laughs> roots and runners. That is roots brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> so we're married now. We have the little Baba and, and we're all plans to, to go back around the world again. Hopefully international travel, non-essential travel um, will be opening up around August. So are you guys planning to go that soon? Um, here's hoping. I mean, what we've always wanted to do a little Irish road trip. Um, I think we've a huge appreciation for our own country now, especially after being in so many others. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely on the cards for July, hopefully. Um, and we're actually waiting for Cora's passport at the moment. So please God, when that arrives, we can we can actually start making some concrete plans. But until then, we're just watching the post and trying to plan a road trip up the west coast. Hopefully, so. Oh, yeah, that would be beautiful. That would be absolutely gorgeous. Of course, the, I, I have a plan as well to do the entire perimeter of Ireland. I'm hoping to drive that at exactly. some point. Yeah, at oh. some point this year, starting in Dublin and heading up north and all the way around. That's that's a plan I hope We're for. We're very lucky that a friend of ours oh. has a camper van, so she's going to... Um, it's sort of sitting there gathering dust at the moment. So she's yeah. like, take the van. So uh, it'll be Cora's first trip anyway. And it'll be a good stepping stone into how we can travel, you know, because yeah. there's a lot, a lot of loops that we have to learn and... Even with Cora, for example, you know, little tiny things of like, what do we pack and what does she need? And how do we handle her cloth nappies while on the road? So it'll be a good little practice run before we actually jump on a plane. Before you head off for yeah. big adventures. And the last time we spoke, Katie, I'd said that I was hoping anyway that you'd write a book about all your adventures. You'd put your blog <laughs> together. Is, is there any plan for that? Oh, I would love to. You know, it's something that I, I definitely will do. I can see it happening within my lifetime. But at the moment, I still feel like the story is continuing. So um, let's see where that ends. But I think I I'm, I'm I love documenting our travels anyway, as you know, from like the blog and, and obviously all our social media. Um, but I would definitely like to put it down on paper because I want Cora to read this story. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. want her to yeah. one day yeah. sit and also sit with her kids and her grandkids and, and definitely put it down. So I would do it for us anyway. And sure, look, if anyone else is interested in reading a happy days, but it's something I'm going to definitely do for us and the family either way. Well, look at Luke. Um, the Ungraceful Guide has been a huge success. I mean, how many you must, you've thousands and thousands of followers on that. So if there's even talk for a mini series, I would say, out of this. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, that would be great if we could do a mini-series. That would be fantastic. But then we'd have to uh, go down the road of who would we get to play us. And that's like, <laughs> awkward, you know. 
<laughs> oh, you could play yourselves. I'm thinking around. I'm thinking you could. Um, we could. We could definitely look into doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you it know something on after watershed though? There's too many potty <laughs> mouths going on here. <laughs> and you know when you're saying about thinking of you know you'll do your trip in Ireland first, see how you get on with with yeah. Cora, and then you're thinking about going abroad. Where, I mean, is are there places? I'm. Um, what places are left that you haven't you haven't touched upon yet? Where would you start? Oh, it's not so much places that we haven't touched upon yet. Um, there are still a lot of places we haven't touched upon. But the great thing is now that if we were to revisit a lot of the places we've already been to, we'll be experiencing them now as a family rather than as just two people. Mm. So it's going to be an entirely new experience all over again. Um, plus, we'll have the familiarity of we kind of already know the places and what to expect for ourselves, you know? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm kind of looking at it in that way. Um, yeah, because in the hopes that um, Katie doesn't drag me to like Africa or something. I was just going to say, but Katie's yeah, the adventurous yeah. one, and I think Luke, you mightn't get to revisit the ones you've done yeah. already. No, oh, ironically, we always said Africa twenty twenty, didn't we, Luke? <laughs> We did Africa oh. 2020. <laughs> yeah, 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 we used to always say Africa 2020. So yeah. is that your plan, Katie? Are you going to drag him to Africa? Oh, well, look, I mean, I think, I don't think travel is ever going to be the same. And not for a long time. Yeah. Um, like, for example, when we do eventually jump on a plane, we're not, we're very, very aware that there are places. I mean, like you said, we love to go off the beaten track. Yeah. That's not really possible right now. Um, no. And even if we are vaccinated, we have to be extremely careful for, where, you know, where we go because we can still carry it. And there's so many places that we wouldn't go out of safety for the local people. You know, I mean, going yeah. to an Amazon, visiting at the tribe in the Amazon, which we had planned to do when we go back because we'd stayed with a family there in the Peruvian Amazon. Well, no way would we go near there. It would be just too dangerous for them for us to come in case we carry COVID. Do you know what I mean? So, of course. Um, we have to think of that as well. Like, just because we're all vaccinated and Europe is going to be vaccinated and the States and all these countries that are lucky, there are still so many parts that won't see vaccinations for mm. another at least five years. Um, and yeah. there's no rollouts happening. So we have to be very respectful and aware where, where we do go. So I think what's going to happen now will be a different style of travelling for us, that we will be a bit more mainstream in where we go um, and where it's open. But at the same time, you know, we'll... we'll, we'll still put our little twist on it um, and the fact that we will be still travelling on a budget and as a family and seeing everything through Cora's eyes as well mm. um, it will be very interesting but we do plan to revisit a lot of the places we've been um, but like you know bringing the little one instead Yeah. and um, there's still a lot of like Latin America that we we, we breezed through it we, we went too quickly I mean we only spent we spent 16 months there in total and honestly when we look back we're like we flew through it we travelled way too fast right. so that's a place we do plan to go back Mm. Um, definitely within within the next few months and um, kind of revisit a lot of places and, and tick off new places. But at the same time, being very, very mindful that, you know, it's not just, uh, woohoo, we're vaccinated yeah, and of we can get on a plane, let's go, you know. Yeah. So, um, we can't, it's very hard. Like, I wouldn't go to Africa now for those reasons. Mm. And there's lots of places like India probably won't be a place we'll be able to visit for a long, no. long time. No. You know, so the doors are still closed even though Europe is opening and there's, there's a lot of hope in the country. And I would yeah. urge anyone else as well who's thinking of that, if they are going abroad, to just bear that in mind as well, that we're all very, very lucky and privileged in what's happening here, but not many people aren't. So We really, really are yeah. in Europe. Yeah. And, and of course, there's loads of places in Europe that are off the beaten track as well, Eastern Absolutely. Europe in particular, that people don't seem to even know it exists. Sure, look, 
this is why we want to go. I mean, this is this is the plan with the camper van and mm. going, taking the two, three weeks in July, hopefully up the West Coast. Like there are places that I just, I, I see, you see them and you're like, that's Ireland. You know what I mean? And they're the, like, there's so much. And I yeah. found new places within the 5K restrictions. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's nice to kind of look under your nose first before. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, before in the and the stuff. Well, do you know something, Katie and Luke? You're an inspiration and honest to God, you're a breath of fresh air. And little Cora, the very best of luck to you. And thanks a million for chatting to me. Thanks for having us. It was lovely chatting. Not at all. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, have you found yourself, like all of us, well, I'm talking for myself, putting on weight over the course of the past year in lockdown. But are you concerned in general about your general health, including your weight, if you're doing the right things? Are you eating the right food? but the right food for your age group. Now, particularly today, we're going to talk about people who are over the age of 65 because a new report from the Food Safety Authority is offering updated nutritional advice to enhance the well-being of people, particularly in this age group. Well, on the phone to tell us about the findings of the new report is Dr Mary Flynn, Specialist in Public Health and Nutrition at the Food Safety Authority. Dr Flynn, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you very much, Joan. It's a pleasure to be here. Mary, there's over 600,000 people aged 65 or over in Ireland at the moment, and some of these would be healthy and fit and active. But is there an increasing number of people in this category, do you think, who are worried about their health and their weight in particular? Absolutely, because we are very lucky in Ireland. We have three very big studies looking at older adults. So one of them is the National Nutrition Survey, and that has about 225 people over the age of 65, going all the way up to 95. And they're generally independent, living, uh, you know, well people. And then we have the Trinity Ulster study, which, again, it's people who um, are attending hospital outpatient clinics because that's where they're recruited. But we have over 5,000 of them. And uh, then we have the TILDA study, which again has up to 8,000, but we have some dietary intake data on over a 1,000 of them. So we have, you know, really good data. And the thing that strikes us most is that in that free living group, there is a huge amount of overweight and obesity. In fact, you know, somewhere between 61% and 78% are either overweight or obese. And there's very little evidence of underweight. But we have to remember that this group of older adults are free living and therefore quite well. And we know that underweight is more of a problem in people who are maybe confined to bed yeah. and, you know, have, have are much more frail. So we know that people are worried about weight. That was one of the things. And yet, because of the effect that ageing has on our body, it reduces your lean tissue, that's your muscle tissue, and replaces it with fat tissue. So even if you're the same weight as an older adult that you've been all your life, there'll be, within your body, more of it will be fat and less of it will be lean. And that isn't great for heart disease and, and, you know, conditions like diabetes. So the one way to counteract that is by exercise and diet. Yes, So keeping people active is really important. So one of the things we were worried about is that older adults would try and reduce weight. They're the one group that should avoid fast, rapid weight loss. So no crash diets, nothing that has a dramatic um, impact in terms of making your weight drop. You should avoid that like the plague. 
Because what happens when we have a rapid weight loss is we tend to lose lean tissue just as much as fat tissue. So we would say, in general, the report advises that if you're overweight um, and your doctor is happy with you, you don't have a condition that Mm -hmm. the overweight is really making worse, then the focus should be on not gaining any more weight and eating a good diet and exercising to whatever capacity you're able to. Again, don't go mad. So you'll get advice, you know, from your doctor on what what you can do. Yeah. But Mary, and then we've... go out and do that because mm. that will make more of you lean. Yes. It'll make inside your body more lean and less fat tissue. With crash diets, usually you think of youngsters, don't you? You think of the, yes. the young teenagers or the early 20s, particularly girls. Have you evidence, do you see this in, in people over 65 trying these crash diets? Well, there's some very, very interesting research coming out on how you can reverse type 2 diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is a, a disease we always said of ageing. So again, putting weight down on your tummy. And as we get older, we tend to lay fat stores down on our tummy. That can push people who are genetically susceptible into type 2 diabetes. And there's some very exciting research showing that you can reverse this if you, um, you know, have a, have a good weight loss and a weight loss of up to 15 kilos. So okay. we're looking at that research and it is, it, it, there's a big cautionary note over doing that to somebody who's, you know, older, yeah. like 65. And the problem with age is it's not chronological. Like I, I almost got tied up there and not saying, well, 65 to 75. Yeah. We can't say that. Depending what we've gone through in life and our genetic makeup, we can be much older than our actual age, or we can be much younger. So whatever category you fit yeah. into. So what, what we'd say um, is if you have type 2 diabetes or if you just have an abnormal blood sugar, you absolutely need to have individualised dietetic input by a registered dietitian under medical supervision to make sure that there is a benefit for you in losing weight and then to do it very, very slowly and increasing your exercise slowly so that you become more lean and less fat tissue. And that helps overall. Because very important, yeah, we don't lose the lean tissue, isn't it? Well, that's it. And anybody will tell you, um, you know, if you've been sick and you've been uh, inactive for a period, you actually, it takes a while to get back at any age. Now, young people tend to bounce back much quicker. But for older adults... That is a very slow uh, rehabilitation. Like if, if you need good protein food mm. at two meals a day. And this is the problem. Like when people get older, you know, sad things can happen. They're friends. They may be losing friends or even a partner. And, you know, that's very, very depressing. And with with depression comes a loss of appetite. So when people don't bother maybe to cook for themselves... Yeah. That is, you know, and end up eating bread and spread type meals. Yeah. They're losing out on valuable protein that they absolutely need to build up muscles. So your protein foods are meat, chicken and fish. Uh, you can have beans, eggs, milk, cheese. You need at least at two meals a day. And that's the way we eat in Ireland. Yeah. Whether it's your dinner in the middle of the day or in the evening, 
don't forget the protein. The protein and again, really at important. your light meal. And then in between, if you can be active. Now, for some people who, you know, are very frail, it may be just getting up out of the chair and walking around the chair a few times every day and being careful, of course, to avoid falls. Whereas for other people, they can increase, you know, what they're doing very slowly and steadily. And what that does is it makes your muscles very sensitive to the protein you're eating and you build up muscle tissue much more quickly if you're exercised, if the muscles are are, are active. So you have to realise yourself what you're capable of doing, what you're able to do and just try to do it slowly, move a little bit more, eat the right things and eat a little bit less of the things you shouldn't be eating and just really try to take care of yourself. That's, that's it really, Joan. And mm. when you look at the nutrient requirements of somebody who's older, they're quite high because our ability to absorb nutrients gets less with age. We're on a range of mm. drugs that interfere yeah, course, with various yeah. nutrients. Yeah. So the best bit of advice is if you're out there buying milk, choose one that's fortified, that has added, you know, vitamin Vitamins, D in particular, yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe B vitamins. And while porridge is the most wonderful breakfast cereal, I am a big fan of porridge because the type of fibre it gives you is very unique. You don't get it anywhere else. But I would say to older people, don't eat porridge every day. Have a fortified breakfast cereal some days because porridge doesn't have extra nutrients added. So choose maybe um, a a kind of a bran flake or a a Weetabixi type of product that has added minerals. Change it up and And, go for the milk, the fortified milk and go for all the good stuff. Unfortunately, time is against us. I have a load more questions here and questions (laughs) as well coming in, um, Dr. Flynn, but we don't have time. I'm really sorry, but all very interesting. We'll do it another day. We'll do it another day. We will. For the moment, Dr. Mary Flynn, thank you so much for your time. Take care. There's a lovely little boy from Navin who's currently in the fight of his life battling stage four neuroblastoma. But he's also in the course of this fight become Navin's first little blue hero after his nurses in Crumlin Hospital nominated him because of his love of cars. Of course, Little Blue Heroes is the Gartha charity that aims to help families who have children who are undergoing long-term medical treatment for serious illnesses of all kinds. Well, this little fellow is just four years of age. His name is Nyan. His mum, Ravi, has on the line now to tell me all about her brave little boy and how he's getting on. Ravi Ahan, good afternoon. You're welcome to too late lunch. Hi, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to speak about Nyan. Not at all, you're very welcome. I was looking at his photograph last night, the cutest little guy with the biggest brown eyes I ever saw. He's very brave, he's always giving me thumbs up, you know. Beautiful little boy. He's he's smiling and he's giving me thumbs up and he's, he's very brave. He's four years old, is that right? He's five now. He's he five now. When he was four, yes. Take us back, will you, Amravia, to that moment yes. you realised something was not quite right with Nyan? Yeah, it's actually, you know, first it started when, you know, in the morning he'll, wake, he'll start waking up vomiting. He'll say, like, his head is hurting and vomit is coming. So we'll take him to hospitals, but they said nothing is wrong with him. But one, one day, you know, he said his legs started paining, his legs are paining. And uh, it was in May. So we took him to the hospital again in Drogheda. And then they did all his blood and his uh, scans. So they found something in his uh, bones. And, and then they did the full body x-ray and they found the tumor behind his heart. So that's when we found out, like, you know, he has cancer. 
What a um, dreadful, dreadful shock to be yeah. told that your little boy has cancer, but to be told it's an aggressive type 2 neuroblastoma. Yeah, we actually got the official diagnosis when we were in Crumlin Hospital. Uh, they're the ones who told us what kind it was and what stage it was. And because, you know, when they told us he has cancer, I was reading all over, you know, Google and everything, finding out everything about it. Mm. So I knew, you know, it's, it's not good news because it was spread. He had a tumor in, in his chest, but it was spread to his bones and in his bone marrow. So the doctor told me it's, it's stage four and it's very aggressive. And the chance of it coming back is really, really high. Like you know, it's two thirds of kids, they relapse on, on when they have neuroblastoma and there's no cure. They can do nothing for him then. And it's just going to be pain medication and that's it. And so far he's gone through radiotherapy, stem cell treatment. Where, where are we at the moment in his treatment? Yeah, he actually did nine chemotherapies and then he did stem cell transplant. Then he was sent to Germany for his radiation. And now he's in immunotherapy part. He actually has five altogether, but he did two. And now he'll be starting his third one this month. But in the course of your research, you discovered an incredible vaccine only available in the United States. So you came on to talk to us today to to try to raise the money to take him there. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's actually, you know, when we found out he has neuroblastoma and the things we read about it, the things we were told by our doctors about it being very aggressive and that it comes mm-hmm. back. And so I, I, I started searching on Google and I was talking to parents in Ireland that kids, you know, the, the parents who have kids with neuroblastoma and they are the ones who actually told me about uh, the treatment they get when, they, when they're finished in Ireland, they go to America and then there's a vaccine. So that you know, I had it in mind, and when Nyan is done treatment here, he's going to go to America because we can't take any chances. You know, everybody's doing it in Ireland, and they're they're alive, they're doing good. And yeah. otherwise, parents told me, you know, when when they were finished here, they they have a diary. They write the names of the kids who go to America and who don't go. And you know, the the comparison is really what made me believe that you know we need this. So this vaccine would prevent a relapse, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's going to prevent a relapse. It is a vaccine, you know, neuroblastoma, it's a, a cancer of nerve. Yes. So the vaccine, it has anti-GD2 plus anti-GD3 things that, that you know, that doesn't make the body make uh, cancer cells. It kills them before it becomes cancerous. So this will save his life if you can get him to the United yes. States? Yes going to save his life. Yes. How much money do we need, Raviha? Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually a lot of money. It's 375,000 euros that we are planning to you know, fundraise. And the thing, we have actually reached out to Solving Kids Cancer UK and they're the ones who have given us, given us the budget and the things that have come together and made you know this amount of money. And it's first of all, it's the vaccine protocol cost that we have mm. to give them up front. And then there's scans because neuroblastoma is really, you know, really uh, sneaky, as they call it. So there's a special kind of scan that we do. It's called MIBG scan. It's really extremely expensive. And there are like eight eight of them during the vaccine protocol. That's what they're going to do. And then there's a CT scan as well. And because we have to go, it's a 12-month 
vaccine trial, we'll have to go there for five Sorry. times yeah. and, you know, three weeks every time. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so, so we need to raise 375,000 euros. 5,000, yes. Yeah. So there's over what in the pot so far? 35,000 raised so far? Yeah, yeah, 35,000. And you have a GoFundMe page to help you with this. How can people find your GoFundMe page? It's it's actually, it's with the name Help Nyan Fight, Fight Cancer. And Nyan, just spell that for people. Spell his name. Yes, N-A-H-Y-A-N. N-A-H-Y-A-N. That's Nyan. Yes. So people can also go to the Facebook page on Little Blue yes. Heroes and you're going to see yes. pictures of him there and details. But yes. just go on to the GoFundMe page if you can, if you can give anything at all. Every little euro will help this little yes. man on his way to the USA for this life, life-changing treatment. How, how is he doing today, Ravia? He's actually good. You know, he was on his treatment, on his immunotherapy, so he had no appetite and he wasn't eating anything. We just, yeah. we, we feed him through his tube. Mm. But today he asked me for cereal and he was telling me, you know, we can put these kind of fruits in them. Yeah. And this is the first time he was asking for food. I know. Raviha, children surprise us all the time. He sounds like an amazing yeah. little boy. And all yeah. we can say is people out there, you know, there's good people listening right now, I'm sure, going to try yeah. to help you. People have big hearts, even in yeah. this difficult time. So let's get the ball rolling now. Everyone who can yeah. donate to help this family can do yeah. so. Logging on to Little Blue Heroes Facebook page. Read about the little boy. Look at his beautiful face. Donate if you can through the GoFundMe page. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually, you know, we have a Facebook page for him. It's called Warrior Nyan. Oh. That's where everything is about him and on yeah. Instagram as well. That's Warrior so, Nyan. Warrior Nyan. So look, Ravia, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And all we can say is the very, very best of luck to you. People out there, if you can donate anything, please do. Let's get this little boy to the United States. Let's get him this vaccine trial and let's get everything back sorry, to Joan, home for sorry, your Joan, wonderful I'm family. Just, um, sorry, Joe. My name is Ruth. I'm just here. I'm a neighbour of Ravia's and we're actually uh, planning a fundraising weekend for Nyan here on the June Bank Holiday weekend in Navan. And it'll consist of a virtual high five for, for Nyan because it's going to be symbolic as in that we can't actually give him a high five ourselves because of COVID. But if people were to participate in the virtual high five, it will be one walk, cycle 5k, donate five euro or whatever you can afford. And the most important thing is nominate five people to do the same. And that will all be on linked on the page. And we also have a page set up for the Nyan high five weekend. Hi, Ruth. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I not at all. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. You're welcome. Thanks for jumping in there. So tell us all of that again. So the virtual high five for Nyan. Yes, this is going to be, like as I said, there's two aspects. There's a symbolic piece. It's a way of showing support to the family. Yeah. And as this is shared all over social media with people holding their hands up because if you, as you spoke to Ravi, you can see it's a really upsetting time for yes. the family. Yeah. So they need to feel the support along with the monetary funds, you know, to really yeah. feel the communities around them. And now when so many businesses and people have jumped on board at the minute, there's so much happening on the June Bank holiday weekend, from coffee mornings to the cars up the round O. There's um, the North-South Tag Run is going to kick everything off, organised with uh, Eva Bradley and Rory Smithick. It's going to be, there's so much happening. Yeah. So people just want to jump on to that Nyan's High Five weekend. Imagine if everybody gave five euro, Ruth. Imagine. Oh, look, it would just be terrific. Already, the support, like, in the beginning I said to Ravia, Nyan needs Navin. I actually think Navin needs Nyan. Because oh. there's such a buzz around it. Yeah. It's just, especially the last year with COVID businesses, everyone's seen shutters down. 
football pitches have been locked up. It's now time for hope and new days and everybody can jump on board yeah. on this. And it's a real feel-good factor. It's great. Everything's opening up today. The sun is shining. It's a good day Brilliant. for this appeal. Listen, yes. Ruth and Ravia, thank you so much for your time. The best no, of luck you to you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the last segment of the programme. Now, just before the break, we were talking about housing and moving house and buying a house. And moving house, as they say, is one of the most stressful situations in life. Indeed, I'll be doing it myself soon. So get back to me after that and see what's left of me. But one type of house which is becoming very popular here in Ireland is the modular house. Now, I hadn't a clue what that was about until I started looking into it. But here to enlighten us all is Kieran O'Mara from Asa Properties, also known as Alternative Solutions to Affordable properties. How are you, Karen? Not too bad, John. How are you? Great. Now, we've spoken before because oh. I actually approached you about my own situation, but enough about that for now. But for people who've never seen a modular house, can you tell us what it is? So, basically, a modular house is something of separate parts that will combined uh, conforms, uh, forms a complete whole. So, that's what we do, basically. We build your house in separate parts to form a modular house. So it's built in a factory setting, is it? Yes, it's built in a control, controlled environment. So it is a warehouse, a factory, factory-like setting, yes. Now, I've heard of, uh, about these before, but they were really popular across, say, Germany and Scandinavian countries, and people would have thought you'd have to import them from there. But you guys make them here in, in Tullamore, is it? We do, in Doro, just outside Tullamore, between, Doro and, uh, between Clara and Tullamore. So uh, we make them there on site, as I say, in a controlled environment. So... They're not subjected to the elements. So they're built inside in the factory and then they're brought onto the site. Is that right? Yeah, that would be right. We would construct it there. We'd say a typical build of 1,100 square feet. We built it in four sections. So you'd got your gable, your two centre parts and your other gable. And we delivered it down. So we had a crane on site and we rolled them out on specialised wheels that can take over a tonne weight apiece. So we four down either side and we wheeled them out lift them onto lorries and away to go and we've a crane then on site as well to to offload. And what's so, what is the difference, um Kieran? What's the lifespan we'll say for a modular house as as opposed to a block built house? So they're they meet every single if they meet every single building regulation that a block house does. So it they are a very solid structure. So the lifespan on these um Declan himself has worked on modular homes in America. And he was actually renovating one that was 150 years old. Declan is the boss man of the company, yes, yeah? Yes, he is indeed, yes. Declan Tracy. So okay. these are a lifetime home. And as I said, they were, they were that house again was expected to, to last another 150 years. So, so even, even Block would start to deteriorate after 100 years. And the typical BER then on a modular house, is it the same? Is it? It's, yeah, all our modular homes are A2 rated. Oh, right, okay. So, I mean, the process, we'll say, for somebody thinking about this kind of living, where do you even start? Well, you could start by um, looking on our website at asaproperties.ie and you can get my number or email address or connect through the, through the site itself. And I will happily go from there and walk you through each step in the process. And I mean, what is, is there like you have a brochure you can pick? It's it's like going shopping online, isn't it? You can pick a house from the brochure and yeah. have that house put on your site. That's correct. Yeah, we have a number of houses on the on the website that are already certified. And we are looking at um, expanding and putting up a few more. But at the moment, we have a number of them on it. And they range from one bedroom to two to three 
uh, three is the biggest we have at the moment on our site and they will be certified. But people can contact us to custom build as well. And so how quickly can it be built, we'll say, from factory to site? How long would a person be waiting for their house to be ready to move into? Well, John, I'd say if you were looking at a typical 1,400 square foot home, we could bring that to manufacture and finish within 12 weeks. 12 weeks? 12 weeks from manufacture to finish. Well, that's very, very fast. And, but I mean, you obviously, if we go back to the start, you have to have a site. And, and can these houses be put on any kind of land or are there regulations around them quite strict, we'll say, in terms of planning permission? No. So anywhere, basically, you can build your traditional block house, you can build a modular home as well. So there is no, um, you're not getting caught out around there to meet the same regulations as a block house. So it's the very same process. So then we'll say when the house is built, what about the services, electricity, water, all that sort of thing? Who looks after that? Yeah, well, initially the customer would contact uh, Irish Water and then um, also contact whatever uh, electrical provider they, they, of their choosing. And from there, we will do the connections from there. And the site? What about levelling a site and stuff? Do you have to, does the customer do that themselves? No, that, that's included in the price as well. We do all the foundation and the groundworks too. Well, what about the nitty gritty now, Karen? We don't want to be talking money, but really, if I say I want to go out, right, and I want to buy, say, a brand new uh, three-bed semi-detached house, we'll say, in this area in Louthmead, we're looking anything from 250000 up, I think. Am I right in that? I mean, I mean yeah. what's the price point with, we'll say, the modular home? Well, from our research, and I'd say you're you're actually a little low as well around those areas too. Mm, I know. So, I'm um, trying to be kind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, on, on, we're the research that we have done. We're looking at we're coming in thirty to thirty five percent lower than other counties with the build. Right. Okay. So well, what am I talking? What am I talking for a three bedroom house? So you can get a house. We'll say you go with an eleven hundred square foot house, typical three uh, three bedroom house. We could do that in the region of one twenty four. One hundred and twenty four thousand. Yes. And what am I getting for that? What's included? Everything. That's that's from start to finish. Right. That's everything. Okay. That's from your foundations to your groundworks right through. And tell me, are, is there is it growing in popularity here? Because of course, Ireland is the type of country everybody wants their own bit of land, their own house. We have to own our houses. This goes back generations. Yes. And are, are people coming round to this idea now of this type of home? Yes. Well, as I say, you said before, you touched on them very, very popular in Germany and Canada, um, Scandinavia. Scandinavia yeah. but yes, they really are. They're coming round. It's it's since building has opened back up, I have been inundated with calls and people researching even. Um, so I'm happy to go through everything with them when they do call. And can we talk a minute about Brexit? Has that had a bad effect? I mean, were you sourcing materials from the UK? Yes, we do. We we, we troubled sourcing sanitary wear, doors, doors handles, just with the length of time we were waiting. So, yeah, it did affect us uh, a bit. And, and even in pricing with Brexit, timber... Um, is increasing all the time as well, yeah. So, so the cost, say the cost of timber, we'll say for, let's talk about that three-bed house, the cost of timber before Brexit, what's the difference now? So if I, we bought, there was, a, there was one in uh, Dingle that were constructing at the moment, we bought timber for 50,000 mm. and three weeks later, the same timber was 62. Oh, so that's some difference. What, what we can do in that situation and what we're doing now is for orders in September, we're buying the timber now, so yeah. at least that it's it's stuck at that point then, and it's not increasing on anyone. So we're pre-buying our timber for 
affordable. Yeah, yeah. And how was business during COVID? Were people still making inquiries during the lockdown? Yes, yes. They were making inquiries. Mm. And, and but as I said, there has been a big increase since the go-ahead was for the building was uh, given, given back to us there. It has been increased. But still over, I was quite busy now, as I say, with calls, um, even yeah. over COVID, yes. So, alternative solutions to affordable properties, otherwise known as ASA properties, and Kieran O'Mara, thank you so much. Thanks a million. No it's problem, been a John. pleasure Thanks to talk to me. you. The best of luck with the business. Take care of yourself. Take care, Karen. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. I can't believe it. The time has flown. That's it for today's Late Lunch. My thanks, as always, to all my guests and, of course, to you for sticking with me and listening. And, of course, my glamorous wingwoman, Louise, in there. Couldn't do it without you. Till tomorrow, stay safe and take care. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.